The future is now. Finding the NOSO has never been easier. Subscribe to us on our new YouTube channel, follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and TikTok, and bookmark the new home for No Holds Barred, The Jenny Position, Wrestling War Zone, and all your favorite NOSO podcasts at NorthSouthConnection.com. It's New Year, New NOSO, NorthSouthConnection.com. This podcast is a member of the Place to Be Nation family. Visit us at placetobenation.com, the only place to be in your pop culture world. Place to be, nah, dude. Come over here, this where it's at. Yo, 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 yo. Place to be is on my side, dude. Cause you don't wanna be the target when I fly the coop. Nah, place to be is on my side, dude. Cause you don't wanna be the target when I fly the coop. Buenos dias. Come on, come on. It, we call it the, uh, the place, the place to be. Yeah, then I shall be. It is contagious. It is the place to be. And we are live each and every Monday. To, to, to do worse than Josh Richard. Place to Be Nation proudly presents a powerful pair of pro wrestling pundits. It's JT Rosero and Scott Criscolo. And this is the Place to Be Podcast. Nation. Welcome back to another episode of the one and only Place to Be podcast coming at you from the PTBN studios. I am just over there joining me as always is my PIC, Mr. Scott Criscolo. And Scott, how are you? Good evening, JR, PTB Wrestling Network. Welcome to episode 625 of the longest running episodic <laughs> fucking gold standard. JR, seven, we are a quarter of the way <laughs> to seven bills. All right. How about that? <laughs> Get there in about seven years. <laughs> seven years. Seven years. But yeah. Uh, here we are. Uh, it is the day after Easter. So hope everyone had a nice, for those that follow Easter, hope everyone had a nice weekend. Here we are. And we have a great show for you uh, tonight. As we get into the spring, baseball season, etc., etc. Uh, we have an outstanding guest. Mm-hmm. A veteran for us, Jr. Who is he? Uh, he is your co-host on Through the Looking Glass on this very network right here. Longtime fan and friend of us and the show, our buddy, the old Thunder from Down Under, Mr. Dave Hall. Dave, how are you? I'm doing well, guys. I'm doing well. It's great to be back with you guys again, uh, and it is just fantastic. I am not on a cruise ship. I am not anywhere near a cruise ship, um, but I am certainly uh, with you guys and very excited. So Southern Caribbean cruise. No. Uh, all right. Why don't we? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, we're going to be uh, covering tonight's Judgment Day 2009 as we continue in the wake of WrestleMania 25 and moving forward. But uh, as we always do here on this show, we're going to pause and head back 15 years to see what was going on in the world of wrestling on this very evening in 1995. 
All right. Well, uh, just like last month, JR, yet another uh, challenge action zone taping for the WWF uh, on May 17th, 1995 from a place uh, not far away from you, uh, the uh, Civic Center in Springfield, Springfield, Massachusetts. Hmm. Uh, yes. Challenge taping and uh, action zones. The scheduled mm-hmm. Bam Bam Bigelow Tatanka match. Uh, did not take place. Uh, Adam Baum had a t- icy title match with Jeff Jarrett. He lost. Um, we had a uh, little Owen Yoko versus the uh, the uh, allied powers of Luger and uh, Davy Boy. Uh, Davy Boy. Uh, let's see. Sean subbing for Diesel and The Undertaker defeated Sid and Kama. I don't think I think these were just matches. I don't even think these were on tapings. And then all the action zone stuff. Uh, the in-ring, oh, here we go. Now, last month, JR, on our Backlash show, uh, we had the debut of Triple H. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have, a, <laughs> we have a debut, not as historic, but close. Uh, uh, someone by the name of Savio Vega pinned Eli Blue mm, with a roll-up. And, uh, that was the debut of Savio Vega. Mm. So, there we go. The in-ring debut of the Savio. So, this was obviously after. Uh, this was on the this would have been the 52895 episode of Action Zone. So after after Judge after In Your House One, but before King of the Ring. Right. Uh, the 52895 episode of Challenge would feature the announcement that Ernie Ladd would be going into the WWE Hall of Fame. Uh, and that's about it. Oh, here, oh, too bad Matt Rotella's on in this episode because one of his favorite teams ever is here. Techno Team 2000. Was in an episode of Challenge. They defeated Bob Cook and Howard Naley. Uh, and that's it. So, yeah, there you go. Uh, a very extensive Challenge and Action Zone taping uh, on this date, May 17th, 1995, from the Civic Center in Springfield, Massachusetts. Uh, that's it. Another uh, no WCW on this day. Not even an ECW I was looking to see, and there wasn't even anything on that day either. So that's it for the uh, callback. What do we have, Jr. to fire up a little Herb? All right, we got three tonight from the Herb Coons Tidbits Vault. We're going to go to April 28th. The Dirty F is in your house on May 14th. And say it with me. It's the first of the cheaper, shorter pay-per-views. Tentative lineup, Diesel versus Sid Vicious for the Dirty F title. Undertaker versus Kama. Bret Hart versus Hakushi. Razor Ramon and the 123 Kid versus Jeff Jarrett and the Roadie. Slam Marie on May 21st. Hulk Hogan and Randy Savage with the Renegade taking on Vader and Ric Flair with Arn Anderson. Sting versus Big Bubba Rogers. Kevin Sullivan versus the Man One No Name. Nasty Boys versus Harlem Heat for the tag team titles. Great Muta versus Paul Orndorff. And Wahoo McDaniel versus Dory Funk Jr. in the Legends match. Muta will probably be defending the IWGP title at the show, assuming his alter ego, KG Muto, wins the belt on May 3rd. It's expected Ric Flair will attack Angelo Poffo after Angelo gets put in the Hall of Fame, adding another issue to the 618 pay-per-view match. The Hall of Fame inductees on the show besides Poffo are Wahoo, Dusty Rhodes, and Antonio Anoki. The UFC pay-per-view got a tremendous 1.1 body, uh, buy rate, beating out anything WCW has done with Hogan and rivaling most things new generation. One has to wonder the effect the continued success of UFC could have on pro wrestling. 
We've already seen characters such as Kama, the Supreme Fighting Machine, Sergeant Craig Pittman, Pittman at least shows skill in the submission maneuvers. Japanese pro wrestling has evolved as well with the shoot style. In my opinion, the difference in New Japan and All Japan at the time where they both need to advance is a very skilled group of wrestlers. And he kind of goes on about that. Antonio Noki faces Ric Flair in North Korea this weekend, a show expected to draw the largest crowd ever for pro wrestling. He runs down the U.S. tournament brackets. Uh, going from there. Matches will air on Saturday night in main event in coming weeks. The final taking place at the June Bash. The best guess by me is Sting, Ming, Savage, and Flair to the semis. Savage and Flair headlining a Hoganless pay-per-view. We might expect that to be no contest. And Sting versus Ming will become the final. Sting, of course, will go over for the title. Other possibility is Sting, Ming is a no contest. And Savage, Flair made against the Bash as the U.S. title match. Of course, he nailed this one. It was Sting, Ming in the semis becoming the finals for the U.S. title. Steve Austin is staying with WCW, or not. Meltzer had long reported that the Austin-Duggan U.S. tourney match had been taped with Duggan going over, but that's not what aired. Did they retake the match after deciding to use Austin? WCW's Grand American Bash on June 18th. There'll be no Hulk Hogan. Randy Savage versus Ric Flair. Steiners versus the Nasties. The Road Warriors are apparently off the show because the animal doesn't want to screw up his insurance payments. King of the Ring on June 25th. UFC on July 14th. Uh, Dave, any thoughts on that batch of notes? Um, it's, it's interesting when you, when you look back at, at this era and you see world championship or WCW had introduced their hall of fame and they were really putting in some big names at that time. And they were making a big deal about it long before WWF ever really made a big deal about it. Like they had, WWF had their initial hall of fame class, but there was nothing really made of it. But here was WCW doing it on on pay-per-view and making a big deal about it. And I think we overlook that sometimes in, in, in the history with, you know, once, once Vince won everything, we sort of forget about the emphasis WCW put on some of those old stars. Although I'm not sure, I'm not sure I was ever, ever keen to watch Wahoo and Dory Funk Jr. wrestle in a um, walking stick match. I'm sure that's what it was going to be. Hmm. Yeah, I, <laughs> I this this title tournament sounds like such a mess. Um, and uh, Dave, you and I in the past have talked about uh, various tournament rebookings. Mm, this is yeah. a this is a, this is a mess. Um, <laughs> this, yeah, this guy's not here, but we'll have him win anyway, and maybe not, and I don't know. And it's it's just it's it's kind of ridiculous. But mm. I don't. And also, uh, Herb is like harangued over these uh, this pay per view price. I don't know what his problem is. <laughs> it seems very. Uh, very angry about paying 15 bucks or whatever the hell it was. Well, it's the cheapest, uh, newest, whatever. So. <laughs> I know. All right, let's move ahead a week to May 5th. Uh, goes about uh, his applied math work at the university. We'll have to talk about that. Dirty F is in your house on May 14th. Say it together. The first of the cheaper, shorter pay-per-views. Diesel versus Sid for the world title. Smoking Guns versus Yokozuna and Owen Hart for the tag team titles. Undertaker versus Kama. Bret Hart versus Hakushi. Bret Hart versus Jerry Lawler with a loser kissing the winner's feet. And Razor Ramon and 123Kid versus Jeff Jarrett and the roadie. That match is in doubt as Kid's neck injury is keeping him sidelined through the show. I watched a Canadian broadcast of Raw last Friday. I was really disappointed at the use of Ronda Singh. Uh, there'll be an indie show, My Neck of the Woods, this Sunday. It takes place at the Ajax Community Center, run under the Outlaw Championship Wrestling banner. They actually <laughs> want $15 for ringside and 10 for general admission. The show, named Wrestle Rock 95, will be followed by a concert with local talent. 
The only name on the show is the missing link. Link will work a cage match. There'll be a title <laughs> defense and a battle royal over the ca- top of the cage battle royal. Uh, Slamboree, May 21st, same card. Uh, he's now switched Muda to Orndorff and Anderson to, uh, versus Alex Wright for the TV title. The Legends match of Wahoo versus Dory is scrapped as Dory's dropped out of the show. Dory felt that having Muda wrestle on Anoki go to the Hall of Fame, and several of the New Japan guys at ringside gave the show too much New Japan flavor for him to participate. Talk about loyalty. Dory and Terry, of course, had the great success working for All Japan. Runs down the U.S. title, Great American Bash. Hogan uh, will not be there. Savage Flair, Steiner's Nasties, DDP, Dave Sullivan. King of the Ring, June 25th, UFC 714. Uh, again, not much else going on in this batch of notes. So let's just get to our last one on May 11th. Mm-hmm. For it to load here. Come on. It, it's such a it's such a shame that Dory Funk Jr. pulled out of that match. <laughs> right. <laughs> All right. In your house for the last time, perhaps cheaper, shorter pay-per-view. First of him. Diesel versus Sal. It's pretty much the same card. He's now switched Razor to Jarrett Rody in a handicap match. Final match used to have Ramon teaming with Kid. A lot of talk that Waltman's career could be over due to the neck injury in the practice run of the above match. If he does return, it'll be a few months away. In the interim, he could work as a manager, but wouldn't take any bumps. While we're on injuries, there's some worry that Diesel's knee injury may require substantial time off. Without that time off, the fear is Diesel's ability is severely limited. No sarcasm intended. Slamboree, uh, same card. They now added Wahoo versus Dick Murdoch. Uh, talks about some ECW stuff where Sabu should wrestle. U.S. title tournament. Uh, Grand American Bash, he had Sting Ming for the U.S. title, Duggan versus Kamala, Anderson versus Renegade, and Pillman versus Alex Wright. In my mind, the three promising matches in the above lineup and several could be worse than abysmal. Pillman versus Wright could be a pleasant surprise. Not only are they bringing Kamala into the mix, they'll also bring his one-time manager, King Curtis Iokeo, with him. Hogan's absence brings the price tag for the show down $3 to $24.95. King of the Ring on 625, UFC on 714 with a Dan Severn, Ken Shermock super fight. Uh, there's another pay-per-view on July 16th. This is a show that takes place on a beach for free. Hulk Hogan versus Vader in a cage is tentatively lined up. SummerSlam is on August 28th. There's speculation that Lawrence Taylor could be on the card. And even some craze talk that William the Refrigerator Perry will be taken up on his desire to be a wrestler and a threesome of LT, Perry, and Bigelow taking on the corporation. Less scary prospect of LT working as Bigelow's corner man for the night as well. Uh, And that's it for Herb. So not a lot going on these uh, batches here, Dave. But any final thoughts? I'm actually, as an Aussie, as someone who didn't, wasn't living in America at the time, I'm actually surprised that that the World Wrestling Federation never brought Lawrence Taylor back for any mm-hmm. follow-up after that WrestleMania match. I, I just, it they might put such a big lot of work into that match, and and Lawrence Taylor didn't, you know, I mean he was carried, but it it wasn't a bad showing, and I'm surprised they never brought him back. Just hearing that idea of him and William William Perry, although I think Perry might have been well past it. Um, yes, I'm, I'm surprised they never they never um, even just brought him back as a as a celebrity in any way. There was some chatter in this time. We uh, also covered on the last episode because the rumors were around that LT was coming back. And I remember even at the time live that there were some buzzing around either on like the hotlines or on the magazines that he could come back for a run, given how well that went. Um, What I was saying was uh, uh, Dave, I was saying to Dave is that we talked about this last month and 
And I said, what, what the fuck did they have to lose bringing LT back? They had nothing going on. I mean, they were in the mm-hmm. toilet. So, <laughs> you know, throw throw them on a show. What, the, what harm would it have been? I mean, I mean, you know, maybe have them come back. and have I mean, them maybe be- he didn't want to do it, you know? Yeah, I mean. <laughs> That's, that's all I can think of. Is they just didn't want yeah. to do yeah. it. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. Or maybe he was back in the, you know, I was set up like a mother. Um, I don't know. Maybe he was having his own issues. But, I mean, he would have been pretty cool to have, like, a match at, uh, you know, a match at, at like, re- like uh, SummerSlam or something to kind of build. Um, yeah, I uh, I think that would have been possible. But uh, I, I don't I don't see what the, lo- what the harm would have been to at least try. I mean, it's not like they were, you know, in the middle of anything, so. I mean that I, I, that idea of that idea of of him of teaming with Bigelow and taking on a corporation. I mean that's not that's not a bad idea. That that's no. that's that that's quite a quite a good thought, especially with how they pretty well didn't use Bigelow after after you know sort of that mania that mania match. So it it would have been good to see it. It's a shame. Yeah, it's a shame they never did. Mm. Yeah, crazy. Seemed like an easy easy thing to do. All right, well, you guys can cover that in a future episode, perhaps. Uh, but <laughs> yeah, that, we, we'll do a celebrity uh, a celebrity yeah. uh, uh, journey. <laughs> sure. All right, that said, uh, Herb does seem a little disappointed in the use of uh, poor Rhonda Singh here, and you must be questioning if you can't get into this new gimmick of Bertha Faye. Have you even ever really loved a woman? <laughs> I don't know. That is the number two song in the nation this week, Brian Adams. Brings us into Scott Criscolo's vintage pop culture. <laughs> I was worried how you were going to work that in somehow. It's a tough one. I'm not going to lie. Rhonda fucking sing. That was a stretch. But that's all right. And- to really love a woman. To understand her. You got to know her deep inside. Hear every thought. See every dream. And give a wish. When she wants to fly Then when you find yourself lying Anyway, uh, yes, because for the second consecutive show, this is how we do it by Montel Jordan, still number one. So Have You Ever Really Loved a Woman by Brian Adams at two. Freak Like Me, Adina Howard at three. Uh, I'll Be There For You, You're All I Need by Method Man and Mary J. Blige at four. I Know by Dion Ferris at five. I water what you do when he uh water runs dry by boys to men that's kind of a, a classic that's not talked about mm-hmm. uh that's a good one uh red light special by tlc at seven nikki french's version of total eclipse of the heart at eight i don't remember that at all uh it's like a little faster i uh, i think now that i'm thinking you know the minute i said that and then it popped into my head uh, Dear Mama, Old School by Tupac at, Oh, I'm sorry, I Believe by Blessed Union of Souls at 9 And Dear Mama, Old School by Tupac at 10 uh, So there's your top 10 for this week in 1995 Let us go now from the radio to the theater And see what movies were popping up in uh, the weekend ending May 19th, 1995 uh, It worked out, uh, Mr. Hall because uh, last month with Rotella, we had like a thousand Disney movies. So you lucked out and there's barely any in this one. So uh, at, <laughs> at number 10, uh, My Family at number nine. Oh, great one. The first Bad Boys at number nine. Love that movie. Did you see that in the theater, uh, JR? Mm, I don't think so, no. No, good one. Uh, number eight, a movie. This is very strange. I've never heard of this. The Englishman Who Went Up a Hill But Came Down a Mountain. <laughs> I wonder if that's a documentary. I don't know. Anyway, it was number eight that week. It's very strange. 
Uh, Friday, a bunch of a uh, bunch of uh, franchise movies in this top ten. Friday at number five, uh, the first Friday, A Little Princess at six, uh, French Kiss at five. While you were sleeping, I think that's a is that a horror movie? I think that's the one with Harrison Ford is actually a bad. No, that was in two thousand. I don't know this one. While you were sleeping, at number four, Forget Paris, which I'd never heard of. At number three, uh, this movie I definitely heard of. At number two, Crimson Tide. Uh, mm-hmm. that, was, that was the, uh, I think it was a submarine movie with uh, yes. yep. Gene Hackman and Denzel. It was a pretty good movie. And the number one movie for that week, arguably one of the best sequels of this franchise, Die Hard with a Vengeance. That was, of course, the third one with Bruce Willis and Samuel Jackson. Jeremy Irons plays Hans Gruber's brother, Simon Gruber. <laughs> uh, it's pretty good. Uh, pretty good one, though. Uh, Dave, your thoughts? Die Hard with a Vengeance? Dave Fink? Did you lose Dave now? Uh, no, Dave's on mute. Well, he on mute. There, oh, there I am. Sorry, guys. Um, oh, I love the Die Hard series. I always have. Die Hard 3 is, is a good movie. I'm, it was always uh, fun just to move it out of those that first setting of the whole Christmas Eve thing and, and bring it into a different concept. And I... Always enjoyed the 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 puzzle, the, the the water puzzle that they have to do during the movie. And uh, yes, yeah, it's uh, no, they're, they're very good movie. Really enjoy that one. Simon says is uh, Simon says to do lots of things, and uh, you need to do it. Yes, yeah. Jr. Die Hard. Uh, yeah, of course. I've been a long time, but yeah, it's a long time. Anyway, so that was the number one movie this weekend, May nineteenth. 1995. All right, let us go now to the diamond. Uh, baseball about uh, about a less than a month uh, into the 1995 season, as I mentioned on the last episode. Uh, the um, season started late because of the strike and all the labor crap, but they started late, but now they're playing. So on this date, May 17th, 1995, the, Ast- the Mets lost, big shock, to the Astros, uh, 7-2. to two. Uh, The Yankees, what they do on this day? Were they off? Uh, yeah, I guess the Yankees were off on this day. Interesting. Okay. So the Yankees were, uh, had the day off. Uh, Red Sox leading the East at 13 and five. Yankees were in second at 10 and eight. Cleveland led the AL at 12 and five as this was the Indi- the beginning of the Indians ascent. Uh, Seattle leads the West at 10. Actually, it's a tie. Seattle 10 and eight and the Angels are 11 and nine. In the NL East, Phillies at front at, uh, 15 and five. The Mets are eight and 12. Uh, Cubs lead the Central at 12 and 7, and the Rockies lead the West at 13 and 7. Uh, in the NBA, I think there was one uh, playoff game on this date, I believe. It was game number five of the Eastern Conference semis. As the, I remember this game very, very well. The Knicks defeated the Indiana Pacers by a point, 96 295. I remember this game very, very well. And uh great series, a series which, of course, uh, would be won by the uh, Pacers en route to the West. They would go to the East Finals and lose to uh, Shaq and Penny uh, and the Magic. Uh, in hockey, I believe there was only one hockey game on this day as we were in the Stanley Cup playoffs, or maybe there was a few. Let's see. Uh, there were three playoff games on this date. At the Shark Tank, San Jose beat Calgary 5-3. Maple Leafs beat the Blackhawks 5-4 in overtime. And the Blues blew out the Canucks in Vancouver uh, 
two two. So uh let's see oh i believe that was uh the tail end of the regular season so we're, the playoffs were starting very soon in the uh in the stanley cup all right all right uh jr very somber episode hmm. right now uh so after the hiatus last week uh we have a very emotional episode of beverly hills 90210 it is called Hello, life. Goodbye, Beverly Hills. Aired May 17th, 1995. Dylan asks Kelly to join him on a trip around the world. Valerie sees the tickets in Kelly's room and tells Brandon. Brandon counters with what, JR? A wedding proposal. Correct. Marriage proposal. Kelly asks for time to think things over. She eventually says what? I choose me. She chooses me. So both men get the stinker. Andrea and Jesse prepared for their move to Connecticut. Because, of course, uh, terrible choice. Uh, I agree. Uh, <laughs> I wouldn't come here either. Uh, <laughs> as uh, I believe, uh, what was it? Andrea was going to uh, Andrea was going to Yale. Mm-hmm. Yale State University. Yes. Yale State University. Yes. <laughs> Yale State University. Uh, the gang surprises her by organizing a picnic lunch at West Bev, although Brandon and Dylan Still waiting for Kelly's decision, opt not to attend those two selfish pricks. Uh, everyone meets Andrea and Jesse at the Peach Pit one last time to say goodbye. Meanwhile, Ray lashes out at Donna for uh, devoting time to her friends and studying for finals. He drags her away from Andrea's picnic, uh, Andrea's picnic, and verbally berates her. Donna has a talk with Kelly about the difficulties of relationships. Jim finds out that his company wasn't looking to fire him, but was preparing an offer of a promotion. And substantial raise if he agrees to move where? Yeah, but I don't remember. Hong Kong. Oh, that's right. Yes, Hong Kong. And take over their new office there. He and yes. Cindy decide to go through with the move. Now, we won't, we'll, we'll, our next, by our time of our next episode, JR, the season would have been over. So, right. of course, the finale uh, is a big one because we lose pretty important characters. Andrea. Uh, is I keep saying Andrea because that was my girlfriend's my girlfriend's name was said Andrea and Jesse are gone well we didn't care about Mark David Espinosa because he wasn't on much anyway but Gabrielle Carteris gone and of course after this episode goodbye Jim and Cindy mm-hmm. tough loss I think it's it was very time tough. though they couldn't have them around too much longer as they get older like it, they kind of wanted them to grow up and do more adult things having the parents around probably didn't make as much sense especially uh, parents. Yeah, I agree. Um, I will say this, though. I feel like, and I don't think it affects the show for a couple of years, but I do feel like losing them, I feel like they lost their moral compass a little bit, and I feel like their decisions were stupider. Having said that, you're right. They had to grow up, so they had to make stupid decisions, but they made some really fucking stupid ones that I feel like Jim <laughs> and Cindy would not have told them to do. But in any event, uh, season five, one of my favorites. I know it's one of yours, JR, because... Uh, the voluptuous Valerie Malone makes her debut, mm -hmm. so we love we love that. But of course, you and uh, you and Tim on uh, on the show will eventually get to season five, and uh, I, I think season five is one of the best. And I look forward when we get to the fall when we start season six. Uh, I feel like well, the show's still pretty good in season six. I don't I don't think it's till the back end of season seven that I think the show really does start to dip a little. But anyway, we'll get there. So with that and that very emotional goodbye to Jim and Cindy, although they are in the finale. Uh, that is it for our uh, Pop Culture Corner.
All right. Well, that said, we're going to go ahead and fast forward ahead to 2009 to talk some Judgment Day. place on May 17th from the Allstate Arena in Rosemont, Illinois. Of course, a very famous wrestling arena. Attendance 14,822, the 11th and to date final edition of Judgment Day. Also, the state of Illinois' 10th pay-per-view, all in Chicago, Rosemont. And the last pay-per-view in the city before this was No Mercy 2007. Mm-hmm. Announcers are Michael Cole, Jerry Lawler for Raw, Jim Ross and Todd Grisham for SmackDown, and Josh Matthews and Matt Stryker on the call for ECW. We have a very intense opening video package focused on Judgment Day of the Wicked. Top three matches. We head inside a raucous All-State Arena with the usual hot Chicago crowd. JR and the Grish welcome us in, and we get right into action on the SmackDown side. As CM Punk, our Money in the Bank briefcase holder, takes on a man we haven't seen much of at all lately, Scott. So I'm curious how we got back in the mix, and that is Umaga. How did we get to this match? Uh, well, uh, as I am get, trying to get down to the bottom of the, of course, our vintage, uh, notes have gotten quite large and I'm already, <laughs> we're up to, I think 33 pages, I think. Uh, so I'm just trying to get to the bottom there. But, uh, I, as I mentioned last month, uh, while I'm waiting for this to fucking load, uh, you know, punk lost last month to Kane and he's taking on, uh, yet another, uh, big heel. You want me to do, I got to pull up here. I'm gonna and, yeah. Why don't you go? Yeah. Cause this is taking, I don't know why this is zillion pages but yeah go ahead you can take this all right on the may 1st smackdown punk defeated edge in a non-title match attempted to cash in his briefcase then umaga made his return after being absent for a few months assaulted punk before leaving through the crowd on the 5-8 smackdown punk faced edge in another non-title match defeating him by countout after the match umaga came out again and attacked punk before giving him the samoan spike on may 15th punk again tried to cash in his briefcase on Ed- briefcase on edge after a match only for umaga to try and attack him again but punk hit him with the briefcase case and they brawl to close the show so pretty straightforward build uh punk ducked at the big hometown pop a very trim looking umaga stomps out still hanging around uh things have been lit up between these guys punk attacks quick and sticks and moves with kicks and punches umaga catches punk on a springboard hits a big spinning slam umaga loads some hard thrusts and kicks focusing on the traps the crowd is all in on Punk, rallying him through some nerve holes and strikes. Punk keeps trying to escape for breath, but Umaga's all over him, sending him hard to the floor with a kick to the face. The pyro smoke is heavily hanging in the arena as Umaga starts to slam down hard on Punk's chest. Punk tries to come back with a slam, but Umaga crashes on him, goes back to the traps. Umaga misses a middle rope headbutt. Both guys are up and trading punches. Umaga tumbles to the floor. Punk hits a plancha. Back inside, Punk unloads more strikes, dodges a charge. Umaga hits a post. Umaga shows off a bulldog and hits an avalanche. He misses a running butt splash, and Punk hits the bulldog, gets a high cross body for two. Umaga slips out of the GTS, hits a Samoan drop for two. Punk dodges a Samoan spike, lands some kicks, tries to go to sleep, but Umaga slips free and hits a kick and a massive butt splash in the corner and the Samoan spike for a very shocking win. Uh, That's a really fun opener. The crowd was hot. The chemistry was smooth. Umaga still got it. The offense was really fun. Punk is elite and match structure, building heat, just no bullshit. Strong in-ring wrestling to get the show rocking out of the gate. Punk is scuffling with the briefcase. A bit of an odd loss since Umaga's not doing anything, but maybe it sets him up for a run. Uh, the crowd clearly was not happy 
uh, with the finish, but I thought the match itself was uh, really good. And I, th- I actually liked the finish, even though Punk loses, Scott. So I went three and a half. I think, again, kind of a little bit of a hidden gem. Yeah, I agree with you. That's what I was saying uh, about uh, last month. I gave it three and a quarter. Um, let me double check your match time. Uh, I think, like I said last month, uh, your match time is 11.52. What I had said last month uh, about Punk was that usually, you know, this 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 stuff kind of happens when you're about to turn heel or turn face. Uh, in this instance, now you have you have Punk who won the uh, Money in the Bank at WrestleMania 25, and now loses back-to-back pay-per-views to uh, two other heels. He loses to Kane last month at Backlash, and he loses to Umaga here. We haven't seen Umaga. Was he even at WrestleMania? I don't think he was. Um, yeah, we haven't seen him in a while. No, it's been a while. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I, you know, I feel like he kind of got lost in the shuffle after the Vince and, you know, ECW stuff in 07. I mean, we saw him a little bit. Well, we saw him back end of 07 feuding with Triple H, but I don't remember him much. I mean, he he lost to Batista at 24. And then I think that was it. I mean, yeah, it kind of bounced around a little bit, but uh, it has been a while for. Uh, it has been a while for Umaga. This was a shocking loss for Punk. But again, I think it's as I as I usually say. I think this was a chance that uh, uh, that Punk was, I think, slowly about to turn heel. And we'll explain, you know, we'll get more into that in the coming shows. But overall, Dave, I thought it was a fine match. Uh, Umaga is doing is still got it. And again, a guy like Punk, you could you could definitely upgrade yourself. Uh, You could be worse. Um, So I gave it three and uh, a quarter. Yeah, three and a quarter. Really good, um, and I, again, I feel like um, I feel like uh, uh, Punk is due for a change now. Yeah, look, um, I, I enjoyed the match as well. I thought I thought it was well paced. I thought Punk was was fantastic, and Amago was was going with him. Um, early in the match, Todd Grisham becomes my favourite commentator in the world because he sends a shout out to Australia, and um, you know that that just always made me feel good. <laughs> um, but I've got a. To me, I I'm I'm the low person on this match. I think because I struggle with the fact, and and this is the the company does this over and over again. They put CM Punk in the Money in the Bank spot. They give him the briefcase, and then they proceed to have him lose match after match in prominent positions. And on top of that. He loses in his hometown and they make a big deal about the fact that it's his hometown and that the hometown crowd. And like you said, JT, the crowd were pumped for him. There was a lot of support for him. And I just I don't get why they why they kept doing that. I think there were ways that they could have that they could build to where they're taking Punk without having to have him drop match after match and two in a row just. Uh, I, I just get frustrated by this um, this mindset of we've given this person the money in the bank briefcase, so now we're just going to have them lose over and over again until they win the the until they cash in, and it makes the cash in look like a bigger fluke or it doesn't really. I don't feel it builds someone properly, and so I struggle with that booking concept. But the match was fantastic. The other thing I didn't like was Punk consistently trying to go for the big strength move that trying to slam a mugger and trying to now granted going for the gts at the end of the match is the right move but earlier than that trying to do moves early in the match they just he didn't have a mugger in position it just 
I don't understand why someone punk size is doing that either. But outside of those little things, it, it was a good match and the end sequence was fantastic. Um, so, yeah, I went three stars. All right, backstage, Chavo and Vicky Guerrero chatting. Chavo says, John Cena has been medically cleared to compete. And Vicky says the match is on. Big Show's on the couch. He sighs, gets up, and says, Vicky's lost Triple H to injury and is about to lose Cena, too. Vicky says the company's bigger than any one man, and someone will step up, and Show says he will. In comes Edge. He stares down Show and says he needs to speak to his wife. And Chavo awkwardly steps aside as we cut away. Then go to Matt Stryker and Josh Matthews to set up our next match with some highlights. And that is a rematch from Backlash between Christian and Jack Swagger for the ECW title. Scott, anything going down between these two since our last show? Well, uh, on the 428 ECW, Christian cut a promo talking about winning the title at Backlash when Tommy Dreamer came out and congratulated Christian. And he brought up that he had six weeks to become champion again or retire as he challenged Christian to a title match that night. Swagger then came out and said that he was due a rematch and no one should get a shot before him. And GM Tiffany came out and said Swagger would get his title match at the pay-per-view while Dreamer would face Christian that night. In the main event, Christian and Dreamer wrestled to a no contest when Swagger came out and took out both guys. On the 5-5 ECW, Swagger cut a promo on interfering in the match last week until Dreamer came out and cleared him from the ring. And in the main event, Christian faced Mark Henry in a match that saw Swagger and Dreamer get involved, which led to a tag match, seeing Swagger and Henry defeat Christian and Dreamer. On the 512 ECW, uh, Swagger was a guest on the Peep Show, where the two discussed their previous match at Backlash and the match at Judgment Day, and Christian would hit Swagger in the face with a belt after the show ended. Pretty cut and dry. All right. Swagger wants that gold back. Christian swindled him in Rhode Island. Christian saunters out with a giant ECW title around his waist. A good pop. Feels right having him back in this mix. Christian baits Swagger around, slaps him, leads to a chase and trade a big spot escapes. Swagger works the champ on the mat as the crowd tries to rally. Ends up outside and Christian meets him with a plancha. Swagger shoves Christian off the apron back to the floor. Works him over with the post. Back inside, Swagger works on the lower back. Strikes and submissions. Christian slugs back in, but Swagger buries the knee to the gut. Swagger tries a Vader bomb, but he eats Christian's knees. Christian starts his comeback as the crowd wakes up. Christian counters an Oklahoma stampede with a roll-up for two. Swagger misses a charge to the corner. Christian lays in some kicks, heads up top for a swan dive, comes up empty. Swagger gets a one count. Back and forth ends in a super belly-to-belly from Swagger for two. We get a double clothesline to a flurry of near falls by both. Christian gets a tornado reverse DDT for two, but Swagger counters the kill switch to a suplex. Christian floats out of a gut wrench, rolls up Swagger, hooks the tights, and retains his title. It was a fine match, a bump down from last month, but the chemistry's there, and Swagger's been impressive with his power offense. Christian's always smooth. The crowd loves him, and this is a good use of his skills. Good finish, too, as Swagger keeps trying to cheat, but Christian finally does and wins after Swagger kept getting caught. Dave, I went three stars. It's a very perfectly fine match between these two guys. I really enjoyed this match. I, I actually, I really enjoyed Christian's work in this match. He He's playing the role of the veteran, and he plays it to perfection. Um, throughout the match, there's little things that he does that just really show how good he is. Huh? You see him watching where Swagger's coming for him, like from behind, so that he can move out of the way, uh, getting, getting Swagger to chase him around the ring, all those sorts of little things. And then... He's not afraid to cheat, really sort of pulls a a leaf out of Eddie Guerrero's book and just blatantly cheats at the end of the match and doesn't care. And I thought he was absolutely fantastic in this match. Um, A a, a good match, 
quick, you know, consistently moving. And um, I went three and a half. I, I really enjoyed it that much. Uh, I gave it three stars as well. Uh, I think I might have liked last month's match a little better. Uh, 9.33 or match time. But it was perfectly good. Uh, but I, And I said it a lot last month uh, on the show. And Dave, you backed me up on that. That seeing Christian wrestling in a different role, in a different part of his career now, much more experienced uh, wrestling very differently than he ever did before. Uh, the smartest thing he ever did was leave WWE and then go to go to Impact and mm. or TNA and and really grow as a worker, winning championships. And he came back and he's here now and he's got a little no pun intended swagger to him. Um, you know he's honestly no different than Edge now. They're almost equals in some capacity. But uh, yeah, I, I think he just wrestles differently, and it's something that he needed. And something that the company needed to have uh, some stability in the roster. So, uh, and I, I still, I think Swagger's great. I think he's good in this role. He kind of reminds me a little bit maybe of Kurt in 2000 or Kurt in, in like late 99, early 2000. You know, the American thing and and very aggressive and a good grinder. So I enjoyed this match. Uh, I think I liked the Backlash match a little better, but this was still very, very good. And again, I enjoy seeing Christian in this like next chapter of his life and his career. As have I. Chavo is stalking <laughs> Vicky's office, confronts Edge about what he's doing in her locker room. They said they don't live together anymore. Edge says Chavo should be defending Vicky and says he isn't a real man. We see some Chicago Bears in the crowd, including Jay Cutler, their brand new quarterback. <laughs> Make you realize just how old the show is, even though it does not feel like it. And that sets up our next match, and that is John Morrison taking on Sheldon Benjamin. Scott, where has this match come from? (laughs) I couldn't even tell you. Uh, On the 5-1 SmackDown, uh, Morrison defeated Benjamin in a match. On the 5-7 Superstars, Benjamin would cost Morrison a match against Chris Jericho. On the 5-8 SmackDown, Morrison defeated Charlie Haas in a match and challenged Benjamin to face him, though Benjamin would walk away. Uh, on the 514 Superstars, Benjamin confronted Morrison after his match and attempted to punch him only for Morrison to knock him down. And on the 515 SmackDown, Morrison and CM Punk defeated Benjamin and Haas in a tag where Morrison pinned Haas. So this is the first uh, match, uh, JR, uh, where we have not one but two notes from Superstars. (laughs) So maybe that helps. (laughs) It's coming, WGN America. Yep. Coming on hot. World's Greatest Tag Teams Reunited. Charlie Haas escorting Benjamin to the ring. Morrison swags out. Good match on paper. A little bit of a gatekeeper match. Benjamin starts quick with a release exploder. Uh, Benjamin works the arm. Morrison powers up and runs Shelton to the floor to stall. Morrison meets Shelton with a springboard somersault plancha, but bangs hard on the floor on the way down. Benjamin knocks Morrison off the top, back to the floor with a hard kick. Allows Haas to shoot him back in. Shelton pounds the neck and head. Gets a good snap offense with anger. Shelton stomps away and keeps grinding, quickly moving through different holds. The crowd is fading a bit, but Shelton's cranking him on tight. Two bang heads, uh, but Shelton lands a back elbow on a charge, walks into a drop kick. Morrison heats up with a flurry. Shelton counters with a roll of the dice, or counters a roll of the dice into an inverted backbreaker for two. Morrison hits a hard knee to the face, follows a springboard Rana. Shelton stumbles and throws Morrison to the corner. They recover okay, but it could have been really bad. It was kind of an ugly bump. They reset, and Shelton misses a splash to the corner. Morrison hits a springboard kick and finishes with Starship Pain. 
And uh, again, another fun match. The crowd wasn't fully in it, but they worked well. Kind of a classic hard-hitting battle with a strong Shelton offense and a hot, quick finish. A uh, good hard-fought win for Morrison. Some unique offense. And Shelton's perfect for this kind of thing, just like Christian. Scott, I went three stars. Just, again, another solid match. Yeah, I gave it three stars as well. Uh, you know, I wasn't surprised by that because it's two, you know, pretty good workers. Your match time was 10-10. Uh, um, yeah, I, I mean, I thought it was, I thought it was good. I mean, I don't know where it came from or why we have it. I mean, it's a perfect, I think it's a perfectly good, uh, uh, you know, f- I hate to say filler. That's insulting to these guys, but a good, just a good match to slide here in between matches that are a little more meat to them. Um, you know, and it's perfectly fine to have two guys, uh, who, uh, you know, can just throw a match together and, and do well. Uh, like this, you know, I, for not much to say on this one, Dave. I mean, it's just two good workers, uh, you know, going out there and having 10 good minutes together. It's all we really needed. Yeah, it was, it was a good match. I, I enjoyed it as well. Um, it felt, I'll, I'll tell you what though, there are a couple of times in there. I'm surprised John Morrison didn't kill himself. Um, he went for that mm. big splash on the outside and you actually see on the replay, Shelton Benjamin realized he was in the wrong position and had to step forward to to sort of help help catch him and, and not get you know, not not have Joe Morrison sp- smack himself out on the on the floor. And then later on, Morrison went for a it looked like he was going for a hurricane runner and Benjamin was supposed to turn it into a power bomb, but it didn't quite didn't quite come off. And Morrison nearly snapped his neck in the corner. There's a couple of brutal moves, but it really felt like this this match was built around trying to build John Morrison up and let him get this innovative offense in and let him really be showcased, um, like you said, against someone who who works well with that sort of style. And uh, I think they did a really good job. I went three stars as well. Really enjoyable match. All right, The Miz heads to the ring off script. Colin King reset Miz's actions since joining Raw, where he's been calling out an injured John Cena. Miz makes a Marty Jannetty joke about Morrison, says he's going to top his performance. He takes some more shots at Cena, ignoring his challenges. Cena's got big show tonight. He mocks the what chance, which is funny, but also ramps up the heat, which is pretty good work from him. Since the overrated, lovable loser Cena is off the table tonight, he'll challenge a substitute. Miz takes a shot at the Cubs and calls out Alfonso Soriano, who's sitting at ringside. Soriano stands up to a pop as Miz lays into him, doing the Cena hand wave after home runs. Miz says Soriano could win a World Series or serve as Cena's replacement to prove himself and tells him to come on and get in the ring. Soriano just kind of stands there staring at him as Miz takes a phone call from Lou Pinella, who says he prefers Soriano get his yearly injury on the field and not off. That gets a good booze. <laughs> Miz says this is another 4 <laughs> for Cena, and Cena is now 4-0 against him. Just he's about to rap, we get Santino Morello's music. Santino calls him Fizz, and he says he can't talk like this no more, and he won't let Miz talk down a fellow Italian in Soriano. Santino talks to Soriano in Italian, says they can get pasta, make fun of Steve Bartman. Santino says, WD's stars are starting to resemble animals. Vicky looks like a pig, Kozlov looks like Sam the Eagle, and Miz looks like a jackass. Miz threatens to beat down Santino, but Santino says he brought some guns, and he rips off his sleeves. Miz slugs him down. Santino tries to come back, and they scrap. Miz has the DDT and heads off. Out comes Chavo Guerrero. He hits a frog splash on Santino as well. Uh, now, this is a big upgrade from the backlash shenanigans that we saw yes. with Beth Phoenix. I thought this was really good. Miz has come a long way to carry uh, this while showing elite promo flashes throughout. The heat was really good, too. Santino was better here. He was funny. 
Uh, and Chavo's whatever, but it pays off Edge kind of pissing him off earlier. And the crowd is into it, Scott. So I like this. And to me, this is much better if we're going to do an in-ring time-killing segment than what we got at Backlash. Yeah, I mean, my, Santino's now just being himself. We don't have to have any of the Santina and all this other bullshit. Uh, it's, you know, Santino's become a good filler for in 2009. He's he's done a good, uh, uh, you know, a good job of kind of having some comic relief. It works well. It works well, Dave. And uh, I definitely think that Miz has has grown up a little bit. We'll see him really mature in the coming, you know, year and a half. Because, uh, you know, he's still got the goofy hat mm-hmm. and all that shit. But it's but but he's doing a lot better here, doing a lot better here. Yeah, I I um I I was thinking the same thing. Miz Miz really came over uh, uh really well on the mic. Um, you can see why Vincent and and the company wanted to put him in the position that they do because he's he's very good on that microphone and really drew great heat. But he looks so stupid. Oh, he just looked ridiculous in his outfit. And I know he that's the outfit he's been carrying. I'm so glad that he gets the makeover later on. I think that helps him evolve his character. Um, I, I actually felt this was uh, a little reminiscent of, I like the early stages of the calling out of Cena. It felt very reminiscent of Chris Jericho calling out Goldberg back in WCW. It was very similar, Where, yeah, yeah, and we're gonna we're gonna get back to I'm gonna I'm gonna harken back on some of Jericho's stuff later on, but yeah, really I really enjoyed that that element to it and calling it Cena and I would have um yeah it's a shame they couldn't do a little more this that Alfonso he was just Alfonso would just look stood there and looked stupid it, it looked like he just didn't no one had almost prepped him like it was almost like they prepped him like oh now Mizzle. Will will say some things about you, and you stand there. But he, his expression never changed, and I actually felt it didn't help Miz in the segment because he just this Alfonso guy just never his his expression never changed. He didn't look angry at being the the things he said. It almost looked like he wanted to laugh, and right. uh, was trying everything he could not to. But um, yeah, Miz was great. Santino was great. Chavo was Chavo. Yeah. All right, Josh Matthews talks to Chris Jericho about his conspiracy claims that have gone down since he showed up on SmackDown, being robbed at multiple world title matches and being attacked. He weaves that into his issues with Rey Mysterio. And usual well-delivered Jericho stuff sets up our next match, and that is for the Intercontinental title. Rey Mysterio defending against Chris Jericho. Scott, how did Jericho earn this title match? Well, uh, JR and Dave, on the 5-1 SmackDown, Jericho cut a promo saying he was the biggest move to SmackDown in the draft and should be named the number one contender. But GM Teddy Long told Jericho that he would be part of a fatal four-way to name the contender of that match. Jericho would get disqualified and eliminated after he hit Mysterio with a chair. On the 5-8 SmackDown, Mysterio cut a promo about being back on SmackDown himself and that he'd be a fighting intercontinental champion. And Jericho came out and said he took issue with Mysterio being called the face of SmackDown. The two would go back and forth until Mysterio shoved Jericho to the mat and left the ring. And later that night, Mysterio would cost Jericho a match against Jeff Hardy and hit a seated senton. And on the 5-15 SmackDown, Jericho cut a promo saying there was a conspiracy against him, and he vowed to be IC champion at Judgment Day. And later that night, he would face Edge in a match and lost by DQ as he would brawl with Mysterio after the match. And here we are. 
Mysterio's out to a big pop with his IC title. This looks like a good one on paper. As Jericho saunters out, stoic as always. Ray almost hits a 619 right away, but Jericho bails, comes back with a vicious strike attack, blasting Ray as the crowd is behind him. Jericho slides Ray across the map, but Ray barrel rolls to the floor, beats Jericho out for a seated senton off the apron. Back inside, Ray hits a top rope guillotine leg drop for two. Heads back up top, but Jericho knocks him down and kicks him to the floor. Jericho beats on Ray on the floor, brings him back in, and then fights through any counter strikes, including a great backdrop during a 619. Jericho gets a drop down backbreaker for two as the crowd is all in. Jericho keeps pummeling Ray, tries to rip off his mask on the top rope. Ray elbows him back down, meets him with a seated senton and springboard cross body. Ray flips through a sunset flip, hits a kick for two. Ray counters the walls, but Jericho snaps a tilt-a-whirl backbreaker for two. After a series of counters, Jericho dodges another 619, blocks a springboard Rana into a walls attempt, but Ray breaks it with a head scissors, tries the 619 again, but Jericho catches his legs, hooks the walls to a pop. Ray breaks free, twists into a cradle for two. Jericho hits a pop-up powerbomb for two, but Ray comes back with a 619 and finishes with the splash to retain his title in an awesome match. Incredible pacing and story. The 619 versus the walls and all the counters are really good. Ray breaks Jericho's promise of not hitting the 619. That pays that off. Just great stuff overall. The crowd was with him. Hitting classic, and hopefully we get more of it with Jericho getting angrier and angrier. Dave, I went four stars for this one. This, this was a great match. I absolutely loved it. Um, as I was just saying before, we're getting we're getting shades of Jericho's old character from WCW because he comes out and he, it, pre-match he was talking about the conspiracy theory and it was conspiracy against him and it sort of harkened back to sort of 1998 um, Chris Jericho when he was the TV champ and, and uh, the light heavyweight champ and that was fantastic. Um, I I just felt this match just kept moving. There was no slow spots. Both guys working hard. It it is almost like they they sort of seen everything that had come before them that night and went, we've got to go out and beat that because and they did. Um, great counters. I loved the way they were able to um, try different ways of getting the the walls of Jericho and the and the six one nine. Even right at the beginning, where where Mysterio went for the six one nine right up the first few seconds of the match it it was great effort by both guys just to mastering the the counters and the and the and the counter of the counters a a fantastic match i went four stars too uh four stars for me uh match of the night in my opinion uh 12 39 your time uh i feel like now we're just starting to match got match up feuds that we probably haven't seen in a while and uh just look really good on paper uh, I feel like there was uh, this was perfect uh, because you have two guys, again, who we haven't seen in a while. I mean, maybe they had matches in uh, I'm sure they had matches in WCW, but we really hadn't seen uh, Jericho and Ray together at all, uh, at least in WWE. So that made perfect sense. I mean, here's a here's a combination uh, of two guys that could just bring it in the ring at this point in their careers. Uh, I, I really enjoyed it. Um, I'm glad Ray won. Uh, to keep the title. Uh, I, I think that, I think that uh, Jericho is just kind of like Jericho kind of like Christian is reaching that point now where he is just so experienced and he's such a veteran now that you could stick him with anybody and it'll just look amazing. And I feel that way here uh, where you're now taking, you're giving, you're giving us matchups that you know are going to give you four-star minimum matches, and this is it. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, Jericho really is at the point now he shouldn't have to be contending for the Intercontinental title, but 
At this point, we're not really caring because we're getting an amazing feud with two amazing guys out of it. So four stars for me, match of the night. I knew that was coming, and uh, it was exceptional and a good way uh, to to kind of give the Intercontinental title a little bit of shine because it obviously had been ignored over the past few years. Uh, so it was nice to give the IC belt some shine by having two really high-profile guys who maybe beyond being Intercontinental champion actually fight for it. That helped too. All right, we got a video package for our next match, which is Batista challenging Randy Orton for the WWE title. How do we get to this Battle of Evolution, Scott? Yes, Battle of Evolution on the 427 Raw. Uh, Orton cut a promo saying that what happened to Triple H at Backlash was payback for what happened to him five years ago. And GM Vicky Guerrero let Orton know he would defend the title at Judgment Day against either Batista or Big Show. Later that night, Orton fought MVP to a no contest when Shane McMahon attacked him with a kendo stick before avoiding Legacy. And in the main event, Batista defeated Show to become number one contender. On the 5-4 Raw, Legacy faced Shane in a handicap match. And the match ended in a no contest when Legacy injured Shane and Batista would come out after the match and checked on Shane as Orton said Batista's Judgment Day was coming. This is probably, I think, the last we see of Shane. I think this is pretty much it at this point. Um, on the 5-11 Raw, Legacy cut a promo. As Vicky said, there would be no physical contact between Orton and Batista. And Orton offered Batista a spot in Legacy. As Batista said he would hurt Orton. Um, that's funny. Vicky would then wave the ban and made a match with Batista facing Rose and DiBiase in a handicap match to determine the main event that night. They would defeat Batista by DQ, meaning Legacy would face Batista in the main event in a handicap match. Batista would attack Rhodes and DiBiase backstage and would face Orton in the main event that night. Orton defeated him by DQ and Batista attacked him with a chair as he would assault Legacy after the match. So here we go. I think these guys feuded in late 08 a little mm -hmm. bit. I think they had a match in 08, so this is not their first meeting together, but uh, very exciting. Another one on paper. Uh, he's been really good. Orton's pushing and pushing on Batista in their past. Doesn't feel forced with Batista just getting a title shot to get one. Orton saunters out solo. Amazing presence dripping off him along with the gold. Big pop for Batista. Gets, grabs an early headlock. Orton slips out and resets. Orton returns. Batista's all over him. Orton follows back out and backdrops Batista on the barricade. Orton works the neck and slows things down without picking Batista apart with precision kicks and stomps. Batista breaks a sleeper, tries to come back, but Orton mashes him with a drop kick. Orton lines up a punt. Batista counters with a spear, and that leads to a big slug fast between both. The crowd is split. More with Orton, though, as we get to the finish. Batista batters the champion. Orton rolls outside, demands the ref count him out. Batista follows and clubs away while Orton hugs the post, trying to get counted out. Batista hits a hard clothesline back inside for two. Orton heads out and grabs a chair. Batista blocks and throws it away. Back inside, Batista has a top rope shoulder block for two. Orton tries to leave, but Batista hunts him down. It's a spine buster. Orton keeps trying to use the title, but Batista won't allow it. The ref finally takes it away. Orton blocks a Batista bomb, but Batista shrugs off the RKO. Batista misses a charge. He banks into the post. Orton loads the RKO, but Batista pushes through it. Orton just slaps the ref for a disqualification, and the match is over. Batista is pissed as Legacy comes in and beats him down. Flair shows up and runs off uh, Legacy and uh, stands tall with Batista. I think overall this is a little disappointing. Uh, not as engrossing as you'd hope for with their chemistry. It felt kind of plotting, but it picked up late. Orin's a pussy. feels a little off-brand for his current work, but it also works, I guess, in a way, if you look at it like he's just trying to be smart. This fell down from where they've both been lately. The first match on the card to under-deliver. Under we'll see if they continue it. Uh, Orton getting desperate and Batista fighting through to the finish. 
Um, but it was a little weak with Batista blowing another title shot. But I like the post-match. And my grade probably doesn't match my comments. I still went three and a quarter because I think it was pretty good. Um, and I, I liked the creativity of the finish. And it was so blatantly douchey. It was cool. I just think you would have expected the more like three and a, three and three quarters, four out of these two guys at this point versus what we got, Scott. So still a good match. I just was hoping for more. I was as well. Uh, I gave it three. Uh, actually, a little less than you. I was I was kind of bummed. Considering we keep we constantly piss and moan that Batista just gets title shots, but it's Batista, and if he's here, he belongs in high profile matches. So I know we were getting maybe a little fatigue out of it, no, in '07 and, and in '08, but uh, you know this was fine at this moment because he was part of the uh, he was part of the feud, you know, in uh, with Triple H and on all that the previous month. But it definitely didn't hit that next gear that it needed to, and. Um, at this point, you know, legacy helping Orton, I mean, they're his guys, so I can't – it fits, and at the same time, I don't consider it like a pussy move. I feel like uh, Orton is just – you know, he has these guys. He's got them on the learning tree, and this is what you got to do for me. So he's using them besides teaching them, I mean, obviously. So I, I I didn't have a problem with it, but I got I get your point that it's not, a, it's not on brand for – Orton over the last couple of years, but at the same time, uh, if he's going to use these fucking guys, he might as well use them to his advantage. Um, so yeah, I had no problem with it, but the match Dave definitely did not deliver like it has in the past in past matches between them. Uh, I don't know who to blame. I'm not going to really blame anybody, but it just didn't have the same feel that past matches with evolution guys have had. Yeah, I, I was a little bit disappointed with this match as well. Um, I actually was disappointed enough that I gave it two and a half. Um, oh, I just oh, wow. I felt it was a, a little um, a little down. Um, Orton, you, JT used the term methodical. Um, I really felt Orton was very methodical in this match. He he was, I think he was intentionally keeping a slow pace to allow it to build quicker to build up later, which. That that element of the match worked, but like you said, it just something didn't click during the match. I quite enjoyed Orton's character work here, trying to, you know, constantly trying to get out of the ring and get away from Batista. Sort of that that element where you know he, you can see that because of their history together, he knows what Batista is capable of, and he's not going to play into Batista's hands. I really liked when he was sitting on the outside of the ring asking the referee to count him out. Mm -hmm. yeah. I thought that was a great moment and really played into the character. And then, you know, he tries to get the belt and tries to cheap shot near the finish and all those things played really well to the character. But what I didn't get is if the, the, when the match is finished, when he, when he cheap shots the ref and loses by DQ, that's when the rest of Legacy came out and attacked Batista. And I, I don't get if... Orton was trying to find a shortcut out of the match, why they didn't try and hit the ring earlier and work that into the match in some way. It just it, it felt a little awkward them coming out post-match and attacking him rather than trying to help Orton save his title earlier in the match. And and, and so they, those sort of little things I just felt just that was some of the elements that didn't quite work for me. And, yeah, it's part of the reason why I was a little down on this match. All right, Cole and King reset. We set up our next match, which is John Cena taking on the big show. Get a video package for that match, Scott. Why don't you tell us what got us here? 
Uh, well, on the uh, 427 Raw, the night after Backlash, uh, show thanked GM Vicky Guerrero for the opportunity to be number one contender and tried to kiss her. <laughs> and then he tried to kiss her, though she said they should keep it professional. <laughs> it's fucking weird. And Cena would end up costing show the match by distracting him on the stage. On the 5-4 Raw, show demanded a match against Cena. Vicky told him he would face Cena at Judgment Day. And later that night, Cena came out to try and confront the Miz only for show to attack him and lay him out. And on the 5-11 Raw, Cena fought Miz to a no contest. When Vicky stopped the match and declared Cena had no shot against show at the pay-per-view, Cena cut a promo saying he was going through hard, ta- hard times, but he would win at the pay-per-view. All right, show's high-level push rolls on. Cena wants his revenge from Backlash. Show saunters out angrily. We get a split pop with Cena, who looks banged up. Show stalks Cena, who sticks and moves, tries to find a way to get into this. The crowd is loud and split for Cena. Show lands a punch to the side. Cena's already in the soup as Show pounces with more shots to the injured area. Show slowly marches through strikes to the side. Cena looks to be near death. Show gets two on a side slam, throws Cena to the floor. Show follows and runs Cena's ribs to the post and then keeps slowly punching away at the ribs in the ring for going a bear hug. Slow, uh, Show slowly punches at the ribs again. Hits an avalanche, but misses a splash in the corner. Cena heats up with a flurry, but is slow to execute due to the ribs. Cena gets a DDT, tries the STF, but he can't reach. So Show pushes off and it's a hard forearm, gets two on a Vader bomb. Show tries another one, but Cena dodges and he still can't go to the STF. Show kicks Cena to the floor. Cena comes back with a top row leg drop and uh, Show elbows out of the STF. Show gets a pancake, sets up a knockout punch, but Cena ducks and hits the AA for the surprising win. Unique match, slow but effective. Uh, show just targeted the injury with an assault that worked and made sense. The crowd heat helped, or else it could have been dull, uh, but they really kept it going. Show just battering Cena is not a bad approach, too, when you think of their strengths. The back end picked up nicely with Cena trying to find the hole, which Show just kind of mashing him down until Cena was able to sneak in the win. And it's on brand as Cena gets his kill shot to steal the win. Show looks strong, Dave. Three stars for me. Wow. Um, okay. Three. Um, I I was disappointed. Um, I I felt the big slow certainly was in in uh, in full um, in full display here. I did like um, at the beginning of the match when 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 Show enters the ring, he goes to do his sort of his choke slam signal to the crowd, and then sort of decides not to. He, he's not going to play to the crowd, and I and I like that element, but. After the last match, where we had a lot of methodical work from Orton, I felt this was just a little too much. It was a little too slow for a lot of the match. And uh, it it really, I found it really hard to get into this match. That took me out. Um, Cena, Cena battles back at the end. I did like the way Cena kept trying to get the uh, STF on and, and couldn't reach or couldn't quite make it work. And, and I really enjoyed that. Um, and, and then he's, he's sort of hitting the STF. Um, oh, so the attitude adjustment at the end of the match uh, sort of out of, almost out of nowhere, having to build him up uh, was a, was a really good finish. I went two and a half, um, but I also felt it's another one. I know this has been a criticism of Cena for, for a lot of his career is, he he works he plays the injury element really well, but when he makes his comeback at the back end of the match, and when the match is over and he's walking back out, we see no no after effects. He's not struggling anymore. There's no doesn't seem to be any any after impact of uh, of all the, the the struggle that he went through through the match. And 
yeah, they're just yeah. But the, the the slow methodical nature just I found it hard to get through this one. Um, yeah, I agree. I mean, I gave it three stars. Um, as well. Uh, I didn't hate it. Uh, I didn't have any real investment in it. I feel like um that I think the whole big show mid upper is is getting a little tiresome. Um, I don't mind Cena in these like secondary feuds that, that don't involve any titles. So I'm okay with that. I, I definitely agree with you, Dave, that, that Cena like never learned the art of psychology. Like I, I almost feels like the match is over. I could shut the psychology off. And, and mm. that's, that's not how that works. I mean, you gotta let this when the red lights on the camera, nothing's ended yet, you know? And, and I agree that like, it's like, Oh, I won. I don't have to pretend that my fucking foot hurts or whatever. Like, you know, I, 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 I agree with you on that. Uh, I feel like that kind of stuff, though, gets better with time. I feel like by the time we get to, like, 2011, 2012, Cena shakes that stuff off. He, he does uh, improve. He does improve in, in the future, yeah. Yeah, but uh, but but I agree with you that he still kind of doesn't really go through work through that, that psychology. Um, but having said that, the match is fine. I mean, there's nothing earth-shattering about it. Uh, it's just a match to, you know, with Triple H not on this show, you have to have Cena on it, obviously with everybody else on. So you got to give him something to do. Uh, but I thought it was fine otherwise, but you know, I mean, it's the, I think it's the second longest match of the night. If I double check, I think the matches were getting progressively longer. This one was, uh, yeah, 1457, which is 13 seconds longer than the Batista Orton match. That was 1444. Uh, that's a lot. 1457 is a long time for, is a long time for, (laughs) for a big show match. And I think that may be why I dragged it down a little bit. But having said that, it, it's fine. It's, it's it's not offensive, but I, I it was I feel like there was a little fatigue, and I think the Vicky Guerrero stuff starting to get a little over overused. All right. Next up, we got a video package for our main event, which is Jeff Hardy challenging Edge for the World Heavyweight Title. Scott, our old rivals are back together again. How's that going on? Yes, on the five-seven soup. Uh, sorry, on the five-one SmackDown, uh, Edge interrupted Chris Jericho and said that Jericho couldn't beat John Cena at all. Well, he defeated him at Backlash, and later that night, Hardy defeated Jericho, Kane, and Rey Mysterio in a four-way to become number one contender. In the main event, Edge lost a non-title match to CM Punk, and he tried to attack him afterwards, only for Hardy to make the save as he hit the Swanton on Edge. On the five-seven superstars, Hardy was a guest on the Cutting Edge, and Edge vowed to end their rivalry at the pay-per-view. As he said, Hardy was lucky in defeating him, and Hardy vowed to become champion again as they came to blows with Hardy giving Edge the twist of fate and the swanton. On the 5-8 SmackDown, Hardy faced Jericho in a match where Jericho would be added to the title match, making it a triple threat. Hardy defeated Jericho while Edge did commentary, though Hardy kept Edge from getting in the ring. And finally, in the 5-15 SmackDown, Hardy cut a promo saying Edge had lost titles numerous times in the last month, which gave him an edge. And in the main event, Hardy attacked Edge after his match with Jericho, and they brawled to close out the show there we go all right here we go decade of wars and big moments with these two guys both now established as top dudes exist in the title picture and belong edge is out solo looking angry is always ready to defend his title huge pop for hardy as he dances out looking to cash in again hardy starts hot with some arm work keeping edge off balance controlling on the mat hardy dumps edge to the apron kicks him to the floor and meets him with a somersault plancha Back inside, Jeff whiffs on a whisper in the wind. Ed shoots him into the post and spears him to the floor. 
Edge works through some offense, picking apart the lower back with strikes and submission holds. Edge blocks a twist of fate, maintains control until a hearty crossbody block for two. Jeff snaps down Edge and goes up top, but misses a crossbody and bangs to the mat. Hardy comes back with some clotheslines and a leg drop low and a drop kick for two. Hardy clobbers Edge and gets a high crossbody for two, but misses the drop kick. Hardy slips in an inside cradle for two, blocks an impaler, goes to a tight sharpshooter that Edge pushes out of. Hardy snaps off a twist of fate, but Edge kicks free. Edge counters a mule kick, but Hardy blocks the powerbomb into a sunset flip for two. Good near fall there. Hardy gets a sunset flip off the top for two and knocks Edge to the floor. Hardy tries to launch off the barricade, but Edge meets him with a spear. Hardy barely beats it back in, and it's a slingshot leg drop for two. Hits the whisper for two. Outside, Hardy bangs Edge into the fans, chases him down into the ring. As Hardy's climbing over the wall, Matt Hardy shows up, shoves him hard to the floor with his cast. Edge drags Jeff back inside and covers for a good near fall. Jeff dodges a spear, slowly heads up top, but he's too staggered. He can't make it, and Edge beats him with a super impaler. And wins the match. Uh, pretty fairly standard for these guys. A little slower than you'd like. But that's heel edge on top. He's grinding along. The crowd is in it the whole way. As they have been all night really. Uh, it's cool these guys just close shows. Those main events. Venters now regularly. Like Hardy's been elevated fully to this top face role over the last year. A good main event. Short of what you want to see. But still solid. And picked up down the stretch with a hot finish. Edge rolls on. Matt costs his brother again. And Scott went three and a quarter stars on our final match of the night. Uh, I gave it three, uh, <clears throat> and uh, it was okay. Um, your match time, longest match of the night at uh, 19.56, so just shy of 20 minutes. Um, the Triple H not on the show, so no 20-minute matches allowed. <laughs> um, nah, uh, this, um, I don't know. I thought it was a little, a little bit, a little dull. I, I mean, still really good for these guys. But I this was this was definitely a match where I was expecting a lot more, and I feel like I didn't get that. Uh, continuing the mat thing, I thought was also kind of stupid, but uh, I mean that's all right. I, I don't know. I was expecting more, and I didn't get it. Uh, and Edge, I don't know. I, I hate to see Edge fatigue, but um, I know you. I, I know you had just mentioned you know liking them at the end of the at the back end of the card and having different main eventers, but I don't know. This match just didn't deliver for me. I don't know why, but it just didn't. Um, and I love Jeff at he's earned this spot and edge has as well. I mean, he's been a great heel main eventer, uh, over the past couple of years. He's really grown. Um, but just this one didn't, I, I expected more out of this one, Dave, and I didn't get it and that's fine. There'll, there'll be other shows and other nights, but I was kind of expecting after a series of kind of underwhelming matches with Batista Orton and, and uh, Cena show, I was kind of expecting a hot main event and it, I just didn't get it. Yeah. Um, it, it, it was, it wasn't as, as good as perhaps we might've been, or I might've been hoping at least it was uh, more action packed than the last two matches. Um, we didn't have that slow, methodical offense. There's a lot of good counter moves. Um, I, I, I like that sharpshooter spot from Jeff Hardy. I thought that was really good. Um, earlier match, it was really interesting. Um, there was there was a moment when Ed, uh, when Hardy was out on the floor and JR immediately says, oh, Edge doesn't care if he wins by count out. And the moment he said it, Edge went to the floor and sends Hardy back in. And I thought, well, obviously... That doesn't help. But then later in the match, we actually had Edge asking for the countout. So I, I like the psychology of wanting to ask for the countout. I thought Edge played that really well. 
Um, there were a couple of spots I felt it, it was like they didn't make sense at the time. I mean, Hardy, they've been working in the ring and back and forth stuff, and then Hardy sends Edge outside and starts clearing off the guardrail and all that, setting up a spot. It's clear he's setting up a spot. It just didn't seem natural. But then later on, when Edge ran out or Edge exited the ring and Hardy chased him, which is right before Matt Hardy got involved, that felt natural. That felt normal. And I, and I, I, I guess part of my struggle is when something just doesn't feel like it fits in the context of what they've been doing in the match. But uh, overall, you know, it, it was good, good back and forth. Uh, I enjoyed the match. Three stars for me. Um, and, and I liked at the end that Jeff was selling the impact of, of Matt Hardy's attack with the with the cast, that he was struggling to get up to the top rope. He sort of slipped because he didn't have his balance and Edge was able to take advantage of it. And, and the ultimate opportunist sees the opportunity and gets the win. Mm. All right. And that'll do it for this show. So let's get to our awards to wrap things up. Uh, my MVP of the night, I went Chris Jericho. I thought he was just awesome in that match with Mysterio. Even though he didn't win, I thought he really dictated the pace uh, and went as fantastic. Uh, yeah, I, I would go with that as well. Um, he he stood out more than than many others that could have stood out more. But Jericho, you know, when he takes the stage, he takes the stage. So I give it to him. I'm going to give it to Christian. I really liked what he did in that match. I liked the the way he really played all the different elements of his character so well. And a very similar role to, like we said earlier on, very similar he and Jericho playing similar roles, but I, I just I liked seeing what I saw out of Christian today, so I've given it to Christian. All right, LVP. Uh, no surprise, wrong going. Chavo Guerrero. <laughs> he, <sucked. laughs> he looked like a goof and a clown. Yeah, um, it's terrible. Worst part yeah. of everything. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, didn't need to be there. All right, best match of the night. Uh, I had Rey Mysterio and Jericho. Yeah, easily, easily. Yep, yep, one hundred percent best of the night. All right, worst match, I mean, this is a pretty stout little card. So for me, I went Christian Swagger, even though I like the match a lot. Um, again, it's our second in a row where nothing's really below three stars for me. So, um, You know, it's fun. I had a bunch of threes, a three and a quarter. So I got like five threes. Uh, you know what? I can't believe I'm going to say this. I'm going to give it to Cena and show. I really wanted more out of that match, but it just seems so dull. And I didn't like the the psychology at the end. Didn't, you know, the Cena just getting up and leave. Yeah, I just, I wanted more out of that match. I have to punish it. So I'm going to go with Cena and show. Yeah, I agree with Scott. Cena and show was the one I struggled with the most. And um, yeah, there were just a lot of that, you know, the, the slow match early on the back of what we'd seen from Orton. And then uh, Cena just, yeah, the way Cena finished that match just, took me out of it so yeah i agree with scott Cena and show all right best moment i went with flair saving batista yep me too and yeah while. yeah I, I i seeing flair was 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 the best moment um it was it was good to have him come out and be a part of that yep. i had that as my surprise too i mean there's really nothing else on the show <laughs> surprising so uh, it was cool when he popped up so double double winner for me on that one yeah, yeah. I, I, 
the incredible amount of mediocrity in this match. No, that's not now. Uh, no, I agree. I think Flair was a big surprise. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Final grade. I went six and a half. I think it's an above average show. Again, I'd have anything below three stars. It's just like backlash. Nothing above four, really. But everything's just kind of in that range. Uh, chugged along. Nothing really bad. I like the mid segment. Just a solid outing. Um, I, I noticed that I graded my matches slightly less than you. So it was it was OK. I think backlash was better. Um I think these matches kind of underwhelmed a little bit. I'm actually going to, I'm going to give it a six. Uh, I wanted, I, I, I was really expecting more. I mean, they, they the roster was really hot. All the matches over the past several pay-per-views have been, have been pretty good. Mania was good. Backlash was good. The Rumble was good. No Way Out was okay. Um, I think this, I just, uh, what did I give No Way Out? I want to see that. Um, I gave No Way Out a seven and a half. Yeah, this is not, this is not better than seven and a half. I, I, I'm going to give this a six. Um, it just, it kept its head above water, but, uh, um, it, uh, it could have been, it could have been a lot better, but there was a lot of underwhelming matches, Dave. So six for me. Yeah. Look, the card was building really well, but the last three matches, each of them, I think we've all said each of them didn't deliver the way we thought they, they should and they could have. And I agree. Uh, six out of 10 for me. It's not, it's not average. It's better than average. But it's certainly not up in the in the higher end levels. Mm. All right, so that'll do it. Dave, thanks for joining us. As always, always a pleasure to have you here along with us. Yep. Uh, Love it. Thank you. Of course, Scott will be back in two weeks with Extreme Rules 2009. Check that mm-hmm. out. Uh, check out everything here at the PlayStation Wrestling Network, as well as the PlayStation Nation Pop Experience and Connection. Uh, .com has all of our audio and video content. You can subscribe to us on YouTube over the North-South Connection. A lot of cool uh, quick hit video content coming at you there. So, for Scott and Dave, I'm Justin. We're out. Everyone take care. We'll talk to you in a couple weeks. Peace.